Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is up, sports fans? My name is Jake Iggy, or Iggy for short. And this is Iggy's Sports Talk. So I greatly appreciate everybody tuning in to episode 59 of Iggy's Sports Talk. And today, I have a very special guest with me. She's a former Team Canada snowboarder, founder of 93 Agency, and host of All In Podcast. I'm very excited to welcome Natalie Allport. How's it going, Natalie? Hey, it's going good. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So we, we talked a little bit before the podcast, um, sort of obviously the the weird transition to normalcy, you, you know, right, right now you're in Canada, I'm in the U S there's, there's kind of a weird transition from, you know, pandemic period to going into normalcy. And, uh, it's, it's very weird, you know, seeing people not with masks, very weird, the whole transition of how quickly it's gone. Uh, but with looking back at 2020 as such like a, a weird year, a lot of people, it, it helped a lot of people learn more about themselves, but as well, it also hurt a lot of people. A lot of people got laid off and um, were put into troubling times as well. But uh, just looking back at your experiences throughout 2020, um, what do you think is like the best moment of 2020 they can really look back on and say that that was amazing? Yeah. Oh, there's so many moments. Like I'm grateful for the adversity that that happened because like you said, I think it pushed a lot of people towards personal and self-growth. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely did that for me. It also like opened up a whole new world of opportunities that I was lucky to just, when the pandemic happened, I was like, how can I adapt both in my business, in my life? I was going through like shoulder rehab for um, CrossFit. So I had no competitions and obviously no one else had competitions. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to just like focus more on just putting my story out there, um, and sharing more, especially online. I love creating content doing stuff like that. So one big thing that happened was like TikTok was big for me. Um, just trying to share positive messages on there and share, uh, my life lessons that I've learned over sport and encourage the next generation, and then just also have some fun. And so that really kind of started taking off. So that was, um, a really cool opportunity for me to connect with more people. And then all of a sudden I started getting requests for speaking events and different things and doing podcasts like these, which has been really fun and great. So I think over this past year, I think I've actually kind of broken out of my shell and connected with more people than I did before when we were actually able to connect with people in real life. So I'm really excited for 2021, 2022, when hopefully I can meet all these people in real life now that things are starting to open up. Yeah, that must have been really nice, especially with like this whole um, way of technology uh, communication. I, I mean, you know, you see a lot of people obviously mainly using text and FaceTime, but you didn't really see like strangers just go on Zoom calls usually. Like, like th- th- this is a really cool way for me to be able to connect with different people from around the world, uh, being able to utilize Zoom to be able to hear people's different experiences and learn from their experiences as well. But uh, especially with starting off on TikTok and, and being able to, you know, show, show more of your personality. Um, was it tough really thinking in the back of your mind, sort of having that anxiety voice in the back of your mind of what will people think of these videos? How will people perceive these videos? Like, am I actually helping people? Um, and, and how as well did those positive comments help influence you to continue doing those things? Yeah. I mean, there's always that thought when you put more of yourself out there, you're going to have those negative thoughts. You're going to have that fear, right? Because I think it's a natural, just in our human psychology to have this fear of rejection or this fear of like, did we just waste our time creating all these things and no one's going to watch, or we're just going to get these hate comments. So we definitely like we're social beings. And so we want social acceptance. And so that can drive us, but that can also obviously hurt us. So for me, I think it was kind of cool to be in this place where when I talk about like mental health and different things on my platform, I'm at this place where I've kind of healed through it. So if people want to, you know, put negativity towards it or whatever, Mm -hmm. I'm not so triggered where I'm going to like jump back and like comment something angry back. I'm just like, you know what? I know that, you know, everyone's going through different things, especially in this past year, it's been tough times that's manifesting and them coming on to here and purposely leaving negative comments on things that are supposed to be positive. So that's like their issue and, and not mine. So it's been also like a way of honing that mindset because 
I've never kind of gotten, you know, things with millions of views where all of a sudden you're waking up to like 4,000 comments and uh, nothing has a really in, in when it comes to my video content taken off at that high level. So it was like a life lesson for me of like, okay, how do I step back and like, you know, separate myself from both the positive and the negative comments? Because I get amazing messages that impact me every day from um, young athletes, young people who somehow my content has reached them. I had someone the other day who I know who actually sent, it was, it was like a coach of this other athlete and that athlete sent the coach one of my videos, not knowing that like I actually know that coach. So that was like really cool to see how everything connects. So those like definitely keep me going and, um, are really cool, but I try to not also like rely on those positive comments. I just try to create from a place of like, this is me. I enjoy the process of creating. I enjoy, you know, the things that I'm doing in the videos, I'm going to put this out there. It's going to do well. It's going to not do well. It's going to get positive things, going to get negative things, whatever that is. I know it came, you know, from a place of, you know, just being in the right place. Uh, I know, you know, the meaning behind it and, then just let it go out in the world because not everyone's going to have the same view of it. But so far, I mean, there's been some negative stuff because I think a lot of female athletes get negative comments in general. So when I, that's the only times that I ever post something that's not super positive is I do try to advocate for women's sports and the female athlete. And that's the times where sometimes I cause a stir and it gets some of those negative reactions. Um, and that I've had to learn to deal with for sure, but everything else I'm like, okay, this is coming from a really good place. So if someone sees it in a different light, let me just try to understand it, but also understand that's just their perception. Right. I, I, I love what you said right there. Kind of like, especially connecting it with women's sports as well, because that's something as I've gotten more into the social media realm of, of like sports reporting and even just like talking more about just in-depth sports uh, you know, you even see with women reporters and even uh, somebody like Rachel Luba, who's um, the uh, women agent for the MLB, you know, you just see these comments on social media. And it's quite honestly disgusting to me. And it, it's interesting when I bring it up to my friends or we just talk about it in regular conversation. Um, most people don't usually see those types of things unless uh, you're a woman and, and you're getting them towards you. And, you know, not a lot of people fully realize the crap that women get especially in sports and i I actually saw one of your reels and i I thought it was really inspirational as well you know just talking about how sports really just influences you know people but mostly women and gives them confidence and helps them have determination passion um physical health mental health as well um i i think that's something that is huge and needs to be brought up way more because it's, it's amazing as well to see you know a lot more equality within sports but I think that the biggest thing is the respect. There's there's not the same respect whatsoever, in my opinion, but it's getting there. And I think so. Yeah, the, that conversation of respect is an important one, too, because it's like there's this connotation for some reason. Like I get this comment sometimes where it's like male athletes work harder. And I'm like, that is how is that the case? And how can anyone like go and look at someone else and say, they're not working as hard as this person. Like you don't, you can't judge that effort is so individual, right? Like only the person doing it can, can assess that. If I'm even competing beside somebody and we're like racing on the assault bike, say in a CrossFit workout, Mm -hmm. like, how do you know, just because they're beating me that they're actually trying harder? Like there's, you, you don't know that unless you're like taking my blood lactate, you're measuring like my brain scan, like you're doing all these different things. So it's just so crazy to, to see some of those comments and it is those things definitely trigger me. And I actually have to like limit my time looking at some of those things. Cause you know, like for example, on the WNBA account, sometimes I look through the comments and I'm like, people are purposely spending their time coming onto the WNBA account and then writing, no one cares. I'm like, clearly you care because you're spending extra time out of your day. This isn't just popping up on your feed to like seek out of space to leave this negativity against female athletes who have not like attacked you or done anything to you. Like, so it's just so crazy. And so I've tried to find that balance because like I said before, of putting yourself online and trying to like, you know, just distance yourself from the comments in a sense, when I do want to advocate for women's sports and female athletes, it, you can't distance yourself. You actually have to kind of let yourself be triggered by these things. It's like the same thing with, you know, if you're really passionate about the environment or oceans, when you see someone littering, you're, you need to let that trigger you and get annoyed so that you can, you know, do something about it. So it, that's been something that I've really had to figure out the right balance of, because there was a video once that I posted last year, and this kind of triggered my whole 
um, you know, next level of advocacy in a sense on my platform. Cause I woke up with like 4,000 comments overnight from like angry teen boys. Uh, and this wasn't a comment against them. It wasn't, it was a video just saying like, I wish, um, young girls could grow up dreaming that they can like fill a stadium, you know, something along those lines, like right. of, you know, having the same opportunities in sports as boys. And then it was just, the comments were trash, but anything that was against me, I was like, okay, well, like I could care less. You can call me whatever name you want. This had nothing to do with me as an athlete. Like I can distance myself, but it's seeing that this next generation of female athletes is getting that hate and they're growing up still in that same culture um, and getting, you know, probably having a hard time in high school and elementary school with these boys who are leaving these comments and seeing them in real life. That's like what I get really fired up about and really passionate about trying to fight for, because I really believe that not only do we need more opportunities for women in sport at all levels, like from reporters to the athletes, to the, the front office, but I think it's the respect part. It's like that whole cultural mindset shift. And it's just unfortunate when you see that the next generation of men, some of them don't have this shift. And I thought maybe they had. So um, hopefully, you know, changes is happening. It's, it's, it is definitely happening. We're seeing it happen. Uh, is it fast enough? You know, who knows? I think we still need the advocacy for sure. Yeah, 100%. And it's something where as well, I feel, I feel like people really forget that we're all red inside. We're all we're all human beings. It doesn't matter if we're male or female. It doesn't matter the ethnicity. It doesn't really matter. We're, we're all literally trying to figure out what the heck this is. What's our purpose? What are we going to fill this life with? And the unfortunate thing is, is I feel like social media has become such a negative part of making people really compare themselves to other people as well. Um, I, I noticed it a lot in high school with unfortunately women it happens with both sexes, but you know, with like models and like that sort of stuff on Instagram, them comparing themselves to them likes as well. Um, you brought this up in your, in your uh, TEDx speech about how, you know, looking at you, you have in your mind this expectation and you more connect it to the results and the external awards than how much, um, effort you put in the actual process. And there's times even with myself where, you know, I would go into the gym, work my butt off. I was always told that I was scrawny or small, like in sports. And, you know, I would go and work out and then look at myself compared to other people, like even friends and be like, why is it not going fast enough? Why am I not there yet? Why am I not up to that standard? But you, you bring this up in, in some of your, in some of your videos, um, about how, you know, we all have different bodies, you know, and there's, there's times where you really shouldn't be comparing yourselves to other people because those people as well are looking at themselves and probably thinking very similar things. And so like how through your platform, do you help try and help people have that mindset of understanding that you're not similar to everybody else and you just need to focus on being the best that you can every single day? Yeah, that, that's a big one. Like I try to make sure I'm really cognizant of what people might be thinking from, from a mental health standpoint or comparison standpoint when I post things. So like, for example, sometimes like I'll post something, I think I posted something on my TikTok once and it was like a joke video about, you know, getting your mom to take a picture versus your dad. And so my dad took this horrible picture of me and I was like in a bathing suit with my wakeboard. And then my mom took this photo and it was like really good. And, um, everyone started commenting on my abs in the picture. And so then I like purposely made a video where like it was green screen. So that was the background, that picture, and then me talking. And I was like trying to explain like the concept of like abs don't equal performance and, um, blah, 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 because people were like, oh, this is going to be my background on my phone, or this is like the body I want. And I'm like, I don't want to like encourage that thought. Like instead of people having backgrounds of their phones as this dream body, what if it's like a quote of something you want to live by, or, you know, like this goal that you want in your life or this goal for happiness? Like, why do we have this attachment to looking a certain way when, um, we're always going to compare ourselves. There's been a study where, for example, if you live in a certain neighborhood, you're going to compare yourself to like, is the neighbor making more? Does he have a nicer car? And then say you make the most in your neighborhood, you move to this other neighborhood, you're going to look at the same things. Um, and social media obviously has exasperated that. And so I try to be really cognizant of that in my platform where I am still trying to build my brand and still trying to, you know, put out my messages as an athlete, but also being aware of like, as much as I post something like that's motivational, what's like the flip side of that, that people could take it in 
like the opposite way where it's just going to like make them feel bad about themselves. I want to make sure people aren't feeling that, which sometimes can make it hard because then I'm overthinking my content half the time. Cause I'm like, let me put out this motivational message. Uh, maybe it's like too harsh. Let me like figure out the flip side. But I think hopefully it comes across in, in, in the right ways. And again, like I said, I can only control how I put things out there and like the, how that I know where it came from, but I'm trying to, you know, use social media in a more positive way and kind of break that part down of things so that people aren't necessarily comparing and saying, Oh, I want this body or doing this. Um, like some, something I try to do actually is people would ask me on my TikTok, like, Oh my God, I want that body like next year. Like, what did you do? And so I'll be real with them. I'm like one, like I've trained for sports my entire life. Like as a kid, I was literally training. And then I went into snowboarding and was training at the national team level. Then I transitioned into CrossFit and trained that. So I'm like, I'm not doubting that you can't get this strong or do this in one year or whatever, like go for it. But I'm just giving you a full background because I don't want to like you to have this unrealistic expectation. And in one year, you're going to be like so pissed off and be like, well, how come I didn't do that first try? Or how come I didn't get this like this. And so, um, as much as I try to, you know, post things that are just like my journey in sport or my progress or whatever, or like say I got something first try, maybe I'll post that or like a big PR or whatever it is, but I'll also try to mix in, you know, the content that is the positive message that shows kind of the flip side of that. And is just making sure that it's like more real and people don't start, you know, falling into the same traps that I did as a younger athlete. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And the, and the thing is, that's unfortunate about when people have those specific goals and when they have these aspirations in their mind, you know, they put sort of put like a timestamp on it. Kind of like you mentioned, I want this body in a year instead of just, yeah. In, I, I, I've seen this in your content a lot, sort of not focusing so much on those motivational videos or those motivational speeches that say, if you don't get to this specific goal in this specific time that you failed. But it, it's, it's all about the process and it's really all about trusting that process and knowing that you're going to get better every single day. And that's something that I've really tried to learn a lot more um, over this last year. Or so like I, like I told you before the podcast, I just graduated uh, college and that's something where I had in my mind at the end of May, I, I needed to have it all figured out or just there's this perception <laughs> in society that like, you know, when people ask you, oh, what job did you get after you graduate? I don't know. You have this anxiety in your mind that, oh, shoot, like I'm I'm not where other people are or I'm a failure. And that's sort of the thing that our our mind is so goes right to is, is the fear of failure. And um, it's it's interesting really trying to go towards those goals in more of an open minded way. Um, I've gotten really into manifesting over the last few months and just believing and saying, I will. I see myself. I am and not really putting a timestamp on it. And the thing that I put the, at the end of my paper is it's already happened. Time just hasn't caught up yet. And so I'm curious how you've been able to keep that same mindset throughout your life and be able to have that motivation, not really, you know, have a timestamp on those specific goals. Yeah, that's probably been the biggest learning of my past year, actually, is that even still, I was like, you know, I, I feel antsy, especially as a female athlete where I'm like, okay, I spent two years out with a shoulder injury. Um, it was feeling hundred percent last week. And then, uh, I actually like just literally was hanging from the pull-up bar and like felt something pull. So just before this, I was actually on the call with my doctor cause I was getting an ultrasound appointment just to like, you know, accept the fact that maybe this has been something going for a long time. I worked super hard on rehabbing it, but I need to like actually get it checked out because if I do need surgery and that's what's going to help me later in life, be able to keep throwing the ball for my dog, even, you know, um, without pain, then let me just deal with that. But that causes a lot of anxiety in my head because I look at my life and I think, okay, I'm 27. When like my sport career, how long can it go for? How long do I have this like window, especially if in the future, I'm going to probably maybe want kids. And like that could shift things and I'll move into this next phase of my life. And then, you know, when I'm like 50, 60, I mean, I could be an athlete in different things, but maybe not the same things as now. And so that used to cause me a ton of anxiety and, uh, to be completely transparent, it still does for sure. Like even last night I was like almost in tears. Cause I was like, can I spend a whole other year again, rehabbing if I do need surgery, or if I do need something. But then at the same time, I look at my dog and I'm like, I want to be able to throw the ball for her or later in life. If I have kids, I want to be able to like, you know, um, throw a football or like play with them and whatever it is. 
um, just have fun and not have like that pain in my shoulder. But at the same time, I still have that drive to like maximize on these years that I have in my twenties um, and thirties. But what I really realized is this last year, I've got a taste of doing tons of different things, whether it's um, doing a Ted talk or um, doing different uh, speeches, creating different content, um, training like an athlete, doing these day of training video series, um, getting asked about like, do I want to make a book or different things? I'm like, I'm someone who's so multi-passionate. I want to do all these things. And so that always caused me so much anxiety throughout my teens, throughout my early twenties, even now of like, okay, I want to do all these things. I have to pick one. But now I've realized, wait a second, life is, life is long. Of course, something can happen. So I'm going to pick, like, I'm going to live every day to my fullest and be like, what do I want to do today? But you know, if I end my, like, if my life ends tomorrow, something happens and I didn't write a book, I'm not going to be upset about it. But like writing a book is something I would love to do in the future, but I don't have to do it now. Right now is like the time that I'm still can be in peak athletic times. So I'd rather like maximize on that. And then when I'm like 40 years old or 50 years old, I could like do more interesting talks or speeches than I would do now because I'm going to have so many more experiences that I've built up. And so, yeah, I used to be like, oh my God, now I need to be a speaker or now I need to be a writer or now I need to do this. And I'm like, those things are going to change. What I want to do now is so different than what I wanted to do five years ago. So what if I just go with the flow and like figure out what do I want to do now? Okay. Right now I still feel this like desire to be an athlete. So I'm just going to do that. And I still love, I love creating content and making videos. So let me like mix that and do that together. And then who knows if maybe I'm going to not want to do that and do some of those other things later in life, then I'm going to leave room to do that. But I think looking at life in the perspective that it's long and you're going to have a lot of different phases that you'll go through. So you don't have to do everything at once. And then also as if it's short where you're like, okay, but every day still maximize and give your all to what you want to do in that moment. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I, I, I love what you said, the uh, the idea of going with the flow. And I, I feel like that's such a difficult perspective and idea for our minds to grasp at times because uh, I, I actually just got this bracelet. It says living in the moment or live in the moment. And I, I look down on it a, a lot because, I mean, there's a lot of times where we're just thinking about what are we doing next week? What are we doing tomorrow? And, you know, you get really deep in thought about trying to plan for the future instead of just living in the moment and just enjoying where you are right now. But obviously there's times where you do need to think about those future things. Uh, but kind of, kind of what you brought up with, you know, life has so many chapters. Uh, Kevin, Kevin Hart said this quote on Joe Rogan's podcast. He goes, what does your book look like? He said, there's so many chapters throughout your life. And when you go back at the end of your life and you look at your book, do you just want it to be one long chapter? where you look back at it and you're like, shoot, why did I try all these different things? You want it to be multiple different chapters where it's a best-selling book at the end of the day. Obviously, at the end, at the end of your life, you don't really want to have any regrets and because everything happens for a reason. But that's, that's sort of just the perspective that I've tried to go about, even like connecting to your shoulder. You know, I've, I have shoulder issues as well. It's, it's been an issue for me to be able to bench. Um, it's been an issue for me to be able to continue like, working out because it seems like every other month I have to rehab it. I go through the whole, whole same perspective of, you know, everything happens for a reason. Just go with the flow. Keep trying to get better every single day. And, you know, this perseverance even with you through throughout your shoulder will, will help you in other situations. And it really goes all back to um, just these different experiences that you've gone through your life, being able to connect to how you make different decisions. Um, and, and that, that must be really cool for you looking back, especially even throughout your time uh, dealing with a lot of injuries um, throughout your snowboarding career, kind of like looking back at that with this, with this recent situation and, and saying, well, if I was able to get over that situation, I can definitely get over this. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And I think that's the thing also, like, for example, with snowboarding, those injuries felt like horrible because if you miss the season, you're waiting a whole other year. Right. So like, like missing the few months of competition that like impacts everything and especially the younger you are the more like a setback feels worse because you have say you've you've lived for 20 years a one-year setback is a like is a 20th of your life versus if you're 40 years one year is gonna feel half as long 
uh, in perspective, uh, as then. So like now I've had so many injuries and rehab that I'm like, okay, like I just spent two years and these two years have been amazing learning experience for me of, you know, spending my time in different areas, training, not necessarily to be the highest level athlete because I've been rehabbing different things, but to have more energy to do my business, to do these things. And what I've learned through that is I still have that desire to go back and train like that. But, you know, as much as I am anxious of like, how many years do I have left, whatever, I'm also like, I'm at this place where I'm okay. If I, you know, if I have to step back and like never be that same athlete again, or in the same sport, that's fine. Like I can go bike with my legs or I can um, be active. Like I know being active and being involved in sports is always going to be part of my life and being involved in some sort of competition. But there's just so many other things that I'm passionate about that I was able to discover because of the time off and even just enjoying time with family. Like I wouldn't have been able to enjoy time with family or take advantage of opportunities that came my way in the past two years. If I was training six, eight hours in the gym every day, just wouldn't have happened. So I'm grateful that I had that time because I think, you know, later in life, maybe I would have looked back and been like, I spent my entire twenties in the gym and never like looking outside and doing things with friends or realizing, you know, my relationship's important or whatever, all these things. So I think it's been um, good to have a couple of those years and then, you know, go with the flow and see where it takes me, but I'm going to, you know, give my all to rehabbing and continuing rehabbing and seeing what's wrong and doing all the right steps, but like maximizing, you know, the long-term vision and the short-term and seeing what happens from there. Right. And, and it seems like just like looking at your story, you, you've kind of had the mindset of, you know, going towards your goals or aspirations throughout your entire life. I mean, I, I think I think it's very cool um, hear, hearing about how, how at age three, you told your parents, I, I'm going to be in the uh, Olympics one day. And, and it's interesting because with myself, you know, I would always look at watching the Red Sox announcers or any announcers at, or any people like working in sports like reporters. And I would think in my mind, that's going to be me someday. And we always have those people around us who are like, yeah, right. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. And it, it's mostly because, <laughs> in my opinion, I feel like our parents' generation um, was just focused on, you know, getting a job, making money, retiring at 60, and then enjoying their life after they've retired and helped support the family. But, you know, with social media and really all the opportunities that it's brought, um, I've been really trying to push the whole idea of, do what you love for a living. So it doesn't even feel like you're even working. And that's tough for people a lot because they have the anxiety in the back of their mind. What are other people going to think? How am I going to be able to make money? How am I going to be able to support myself? And it was interesting reading throughout your story that even though you had those aspirations, your parents still were asking you, what's your backup plan? And how are you going to make what, what happens if this doesn't work out? And you had a perfect answer of, I'm just going to start a successful business. And so how are you able to stay motivated throughout all that doubt or potential anxiety in your mind um, to keep striving towards your aspirations and goals? I think one part of it, honestly, is that I just like had no other option. Like growing up with like ADHD, I was like, I cannot work for other people. Like it's just mm -hmm. not going to happen. <laughs> Um, I was like, I got to do my own thing. And like, I knew from an early age that like my talent lied in sport. And that's where like, I viewed the world. That's, that's how I like saw everything. That's what I enjoyed doing. Um, I was very, very competitive from an early age. And so that's the outlet that I saw. But then my dad was an entrepreneur and I saw him and how he was able to spend time with family and kind of like create his own career and all these things and kind of try to fix the problems that he sees in the world. And I was like, yeah, I want to do that too. Um, so I, I was very lucky though, that, you know, as much as they questioned, like, you know, are you sure? Like, what about this and this? They're also like extremely supportive, but sometimes they don't understand everything. Like they don't understand everything when it comes to like the social media world. Um, you know, when I had started my marketing agency, they're like, really? Like people like are going to pay you for helping them with social media. They're like, I don't understand. And now obviously that's like the most, like one of the most important things in marketing and in the world um, that people need. And then uh, similarly, like with growing my platform and like creating TikToks and videos, they're like, that's amazing. Like you have a million views on this, but like, what does, what does that do? 
And I'm like, you don't understand, like having that leverage actually now is worth more than like a Harvard degree um, because you've built this audience and now it's valuable to a lot of different people. But I said, also, I said, like, think about when, how passionate I am about women's sports. When I make a video and it could all of a sudden it goes out to 500,000 people, where would I have ever gotten the opportunity to spread a positive message about women's sports to 500,000 people? Like, unless I'm being broadcast on national television, like that just wasn't possible. So um, I think there's, you know, if you go in with the right purpose behind what you do and you're passionate about it, you can make it happen. And, um, and just understanding that like we've built a society around kind of society always takes time to catch up. Right. So it's like this belief system. And so our parents will have certain belief systems that they've been instilled. People around us will have different belief systems that they've instilled. And so just important to like stick to your vision, but also seek out people that share it which has been a great thing about the pandemic for me is where I live, it's like a government town. Like Ottawa is the capital of Canada. So it's all government workers. And so I really separated myself from a young age about that mindset. I was like that, my mindset of just like going to work for the government, not really being productive, um, being set in your job. You can't really be fired. Like you're just moving parts and you're, you're doing these things, but not progressing. Like in entrepreneurship, you have a problem in the world. you got to solve it quick. Cause you, you think that's how it works but in the government. They're like, ah, oh, well, we'll solve this and do this. And we'll just look like we're working. And so that was something I really separated myself. And I was like really negative about that, about where I live because of that. So then over the pandemic, all of a sudden I can connect with people all around the world that share a similar mindset and are doing cool things in sport online, podcasting, speaking, whatever it is. And I'm like, oh, wow, like we're not confined by where we live anymore. Like we can seek out this community of people, even through the internet, if we use it in the right manner to have that positive motivation and even that accountability in pursuing our goals when they are different than a lot of people around us physically. Yeah, I think I think that's the biggest thing with, with parents is just the misconception of, of exactly how much influence social media really can have, um, not only on your own personal brand, um, but your business. And, and it's really just like they don't understand. They, they, like my, my mom uh, always asked me, she's like, how do these people on social media make money? And I, I've explained to her, I'm like, well, these TikTok kids like they're millionaires, like, and they're just getting it from brand deals and getting paid from yeah. views, literally just dancing. I, I'm, but like at the same time, some people have more um, talents as well and you use, use it in a different way, but it's, it's just quite honestly, um, parents caring and making sure that you're making the right decision because they don't want to potentially see you fail. And they want to, you know, help cater you through this life because you might not know how scary and daunting it might be later on. Um, but, it's something where with, especially with dreams and goals, it's all about like how you mentioned, just believing it. And I, I think that's the biggest thing is, is believing that it will happen. And most importantly, believing in yourself and as well as uh, just putting in the work. And I think that is the biggest thing with doing something that you're passionate about and what you feel like is your purpose is putting in the work. And you're somebody that at, at 13 years old, um, you, you, entered your first snowboard competition, then won it. And then you worked full time over that summer while doing online classes so you could graduate high school early to be able to go to a snowboarding camp. And I I looked at that and thought in my mind, like I used to work at Dunkin' Donuts like 40 hours a week. And I I was like, holy crap, this is a lot of work. But like juggling online classes and uh, work at the same time, I mean, it really just shows like the determination that you had to be able to get to that certain goal. And, and it's tough sometimes for people to get that motivated. But like, how was that experience going through all that? And did you sometimes have times during that time where you were like, maybe this wasn't the right decision? Um, and how were you really able to mo- help motivate yourself? Yeah. I I mean, it was tough. Like there was times I remember, so I didn't have a car. I think when I graduated a semester early, I went out to like some competitions and then came home and worked at like, uh, I made like breakfast bagels at a gas station. Um, so I was working like, I don't know, 5am or something till noon or something like that. And I remember I never really ever had to wake up too early. Like all my sports were kind of like, you know, you wake up early, but not that early school too. Like you never have to really wake up at like 5am unless you live really far from your school. And, um, so my mom would have to wake up and drive me. And there was times like I would cry in the car and be like, mom, don't drop me off. Like, I hate this job. I hate doing this. Like, you know, I just feel like all I'm doing is just making breakfast sandwiches. Like, what is that doing? But, you know, she would remind me, she's like, Nat, like, 
you know, you said you need money to be able to pay for your snowboarding and this is what's going to do it. And so that was always what kind of drove me. And then also just finding time to like figure out how you could balance that. Like I remember once, one summer I worked at a car dealership, whenever I would go to clean the bathrooms, after I cleaned the floor of the bathrooms, I would do like push-ups and planks in the bathrooms because I was like, okay, well, like any chance I had time to work on something. Cause I felt like I was getting behind my competitors because they're maybe had more financial resources. So they didn't have to work. So they're like snowboarding in the summer over overseas they're, you know, training. And so I was like, okay, I got to figure out like the best of both worlds to make it happen. But there was definitely like, there was no question in my mind that, you know, I had to work hard to achieve my dreams. It would just, sometimes it was really hard comparing myself against my teammates and my competitors who had, you know, families with a lot more money that were able to like, they never had jobs in their lives or they never had to um, work these shitty jobs. But I just knew like, you know, it would pay off. And also I did understand that it was like building character and like teaching me something that I would later value for sure, like work ethic and just experience in different situations and with different people. Um, but it was, it was really hard for sure. It was, uh, yeah, really tough days, many tough days, especially the days when you're missing out on like prom things wow. you're missing out. Like I never got a yearbook cause I wasn't at my school to order it in time. I never got to participate in my car rallies or things with my peers, but, you know, I was chasing this goal. And for me, like, it was worth it for sure. At that time, and even looking back, it was worth it. 100%. You had so much success from it as well. Um, I mean, lo- lo- looking at just so- some of the achievements that you had in 2011, you were, you were named to the Canadian Junior National Super Slope Style um, snowboard team. And then as well, you made it to the uh, World Cup circuit. And then you also traveled with the national team. So, I mean, that that work definitely paid off in the end. But, I mean, especially getting up to those types of levels in snowboarding, how did sort of the pressure um, potentially weigh on you? And, you know, we see a lot of times with sports, especially with competitive sports, you know, that feeling and idea of not being good enough. And that fear of potentially not being good enough from people who are judging you. Um, and, th- and that really happens in all aspects of life. But I feel like with sports, it's a lot more emotional because you work so hard to get to this point. Um, and how were you really able to overcome, you know, those pressures? Yeah, I mean, probably the biggest pressure that was put on me was my own, right? Like the coaches of the national team are still going to coach whoever athletes are picked on the team. So as much as they like believed in me, you know, like, the year that I decided to step away from the sport, someone else takes my spot and like, goodbye to me. You know what I mean? Like things move on. Like you care, I guess like as an athlete, you care more about the sport than the sport cares about you. The sport continues, the league continues, the competitions continue with or without you. It kind of just moves on. Um, So definitely like the pressure was all on myself, especially because of the work that I put in, like all those times, like working and doing all those things that I hated doing that, added to the pressure I was like I have to be successful at that because think about all those days that I suffered and all I thought about was like when I win or when I do this or make it to this level then it's paid off um which I think you know in hindsight I could have better looked at that like this is teaching me important lessons this is just what I have to do in the process um but at the time it was like no like I'm just looking at that end end result which is kind of what my um my TEDx talk was was about But yeah, like the pressure was that I put on myself was, was really difficult for sure. Um, And then the second part of your question, I know I wanted to respond and I totally blanked on it. Can you repeat the second part of There's a pressure part. And then you asked something else. So yeah, it was just like overcoming that, that like pressure in your mind and like feeling like you're not good enough essentially, but from like how other people are judging you and, you know, it's like not being able to get up to those standards. Cause I feel like with sports, so many people compare themselves to other people's, but we all in reality, reality have so many different experiences. Right. Yeah. There was definitely moments that uh, I had imposter syndrome at, when I was snowboarding. Cause all of a sudden, like at 17, I beat some girls who were like in the magazines I had on the wall. And I remember thinking, you know, in my career, I was like, was it just a fluke did they like miss out on those people's runs and they only saw mine uh snowboarding is also a judge sport so you know you you think about those things when you use the word in your question about like being judged like it literally is judged so it's definitely other people's perceptions and you're like oh like why did these people judge me highly and not these people or in other situations why did they judge me poorly and 
these people highly. And so for a a big part of my career, because of the background that I had, like other people came from places with bigger mountains, more resources, they had coaches growing up, I really just felt like an outsider. And um, to be honest, now that I've talked to so many other athletes, I think we all kind of feel like that, because we all have our own stories. And all of a sudden, we're thrust into this, you know, all of a sudden, we're on the national team program, and which has all been our goals. And then it feels so weird that we've like accomplished it, right? And then you're moving on to the next goal and the next thing. Mm-hmm. And so it was just, I was always comparing myself to, to my peers and thinking, like, how do I have this sponsor? That doesn't seem right. Like, how come I'm getting paid more by this sponsor, even though that girl is better than me? Or And I was always just thinking that, like, how did I even get here? And it's, yeah, that's a really tough one to deal with as an athlete, because especially when you start getting to like the world cup circuit, when you're competing against people, you have posters of in your room, you can't think like, why am I here? You've got to think of them as, you know, your peers and your equals instead of as like, you know, this, this person that you've had on your wall, I can only imagine the same thing happens in people's first seasons in the NBA or the MLB or whatever it is, when all of a sudden they make it there and they're competing with these athletes that they've looked up to all their lives, especially when you have that veteran athlete who's like 40 years old and, you're like 20 years old. I see that happen. You know, you see the media stories about those kind of cool stories, but that's really difficult to, to get over and accept. So I think it, it takes time. It also takes like the practice. So like the more I'm surrounded by those people, the more I've seen them at multiple competitions, the more I've like trained with them and been like, okay, like I'm kind of hanging out. Like I'm doing some of the similar tricks where, you know, if I had success where, Oh, like I actually like beat them at this competition or whatever it is. Those are all like reps in the bank to help build your mindset of being like, okay, I deserve to be here. Like I am enough. Uh, like I, this isn't, I, I didn't just like a fluke, like no one just picked me up from the sky and said, we're going to throw her into slope style snowboarding, the national team world cups, just to like make fun of her and laugh. Cause she's not good enough. Like that doesn't happen. Like that doesn't happen. No one just gets put into the MLB as like a wild card for fun mm-hmm. for a joke. Right. But like a lot of us feel that way in our mental side and in our heads. So it just takes work to like build the reps and the experience to get over it. Well, I you bring it up perfectly in, in your TEDx speech and for everybody that's listening and watching, if you haven't seen that yet, go go and search Natalie Allport TEDx speech because I'm not I'm not kidding. I that made me so excited to talk to you. Um, I actually got a little bit choked up because I, I was applying it to my own life, and even with this podcast, um, there's so many times where I, I would sort of look at the external results way more than how much work I put into it. And I would start beating myself up about how many views or really how, you know, something, something performed compared to something else, instead of just really looking at, I did this, you know, I worked really hard to be able to get this because we, because in times in our minds, like we want to get to the next level, we want to get higher, we want to get higher. And then kind of like what you talk about is, you know, tying those external results to like, that's the only way that you're going to be happy. Um, and, And especially with, with, sports tying it to something that you're passionate about uh especially when you've worked so hard to get to that point it it must it must have been very difficult to obviously overcome those fears and overcome that pressure and and you know the the voice in your in the back of your mind and especially with being able to you know really focus on the process and looking at different situations throughout your career in snowboarding more as lessons than as losses and like really, especially, especially when you unfortunately failed to qualify for the 2014 Olympics and ended up breaking your tailbone, ribs, ankle, wrist, and heel. How were you really able to overcome that essential loss and make it into a lesson and, you know, help get the perspective, help your mind get the perspective of this isn't, I'm not a failure because of this. This just is part of the process. This is part of the journey. Yeah. I, time. I think it just took time because um, I don't know if I if I touched on it enough in the TED talk, but I know I've like written about it at least or spoken about it in different circumstances. But mm-hmm. like when that happened, I remember like I was sitting, I think, with my arm in a sling um, on my couch watching one of my best friends compete at the Olympics. I think it was because it was in Sochi, you're up at like 3 a.m. trying to watch mm-hmm. events. 
And, um, I remember just like the minute I could get my sling off, I was like back on snow just at home and like trying to get back and just like making the goal. Okay. 2018, like that's, that's the goal now. Um, and then I really realized that over time, I never really got over it because I just didn't give myself the time to heal or to focus on it or to think of it as a lesson. It was just like, okay, like didn't make it, whatever, move on to the next Um, And then that led to with all the injuries I had mental health stuff. And then that whole, you know, feeling of failure and stuff, I ended up walking away from the sport in 2015. And it wasn't until I had to deal with that loss of identity of no longer being the snowboarder, uh, no longer being the national team athlete and all these things that I finally started looking at it as, okay, wait a second. This was a big lesson for me because all of a sudden my mental health took a big hit. And these were things that like I had been having these touches of anxiety attacks and panic attacks and not knowing where they came from and just like hiding it under the rug and be like, hey, this is whatever, just something I'm going through. But like Olympics are my goal, like ignore that. We can deal with this later. Anything else I'm dealing with outside of the sport, we can deal with later. And so because of the fact that I ended up walking away from the sport, all of a sudden I was able to deal with these things. And it made me realize that with the mindset that I had, Um, if I didn't, if I, if I had made the Olympics, all I would have ended up with was, you know, cool. I got the name Oli beside, uh, my name that I can write on my resume or on my LinkedIn or whatever it is. Cool. I've had like the experience, which obviously would have been awesome to compete there and meet the different athletes and so on and so forth. But I think in life in general, it wouldn't have pushed me forward towards the personal growth and the life lessons that I have now, because I wouldn't have addressed my mental health. I wouldn't have addressed the fact that I was so process oriented, not growth oriented. And I think that's one of the things when our wins come easy, we don't learn anything. But when we get these losses and then we can, in perspective, turn them into lessons that's when they're not losses at all. In fact, they can be better than wins because we actually take something that we can then apply to the rest of our lives from the lessons we learned from it. And so that's really what happened to me is that all of a sudden I addressed all these different things. I realized that, you know, there's other things I care about in my life that I'm passionate about. I actually, you know, I was neglecting things with family and all these things because I'm giving everything into my sport. Um, and I'm realizing, okay, what's a better way to pursue success? And I was able to then, because I transitioned into the sport of CrossFit, apply that in real time to a new sport and think of like, okay, what if I just focus on the growth? What if I just focus on what's the best thing I can do today? Mm-hmm. Like one of the things I do with um, uh, CrossFit now, obviously not necessarily now with my shoulder, but actually, yeah, still today, I have like a habit list on my phone. I'm like, did I do my re- shoulder rehab? Did I do my mobility work? Uh, did I post because I want to like grow on TikTok and be keep creating? Did I create a TikTok video? But you notice that none of those say, did I get a million views today? Did uh, my shoulder completely heal today? Or did it have no pain? Um, did I you know, instead of like saying, okay, I drank three glasses of water today that I wanted, I'll I'll drink more than three glasses, but like, let's just put that in as an example. Um, instead of putting that, what if you put like, uh, uh, I'm going to cure all my inflammation in my body today or whatever, right? Like those things are outside of our control, but we can control our effort and we can control those habits. And so that's something that I was doing when I was competing in CrossFit, the best year that I ever had, Uh, of competing before I ended up hurting my shoulder was when I just had this checklist of all these different things in my, in my life. It was from business was one column, like relationships was another column with things like, you know, call your parents, you know, check in all those things, um, recovery. So like, did I get eight hours of sleep? Did I drink, you know, enough water? Did I make sure that I ate like 80%, you know, healthy foods that aren't inflammatory to my body. And the other thing for training wasn't like, did I hit a PR today? Did I, you know, beat my score from last week? We can't control those things. Our body's going through different things, different things change, but we can control, for example, was I a hundred percent present in my training? If I felt like 50% today, did I at least give that 50%? Did I listen to my body and like did some recovery based things extra because I wasn't feeling so good. So those were the things that I had on my checklist versus when I was snowboarding, my checklist was like, did I land this trick? Uh, did I land this trick so that tomorrow I can then build onto the next trick? Those are things like someone learns a trick in two years. Another person learns a trick in one day. Like you can't control that. Um, and so that's just been such a healthier mindset for me. And I wouldn't have learned that if I hadn't have gone through 
that failure. And unfortunately I had to learn it the hard way. You know, sometimes you look back and you're like, I wish I had that mindset the whole time, but that's not how life works. You know, you got to take those lessons where you have them and grow and progress. No one is born perfect with all the life lessons and all the answers. I still, I'm going to make tons of big mistakes in my life. And I look forward to learning from them because they're the greatest teachers. Exactly. The, the, the situations that we go through, in my opinion, you said it perfectly is, is, it's a lesson to help us learn from those potential situations in the future. And I, I feel like there's so many times where our mind comes up with these unrealistic expectations, kind of like you brought up, I need to make this trick today or what will happen. And because like, if you don't make that trick today, you're going to be beating yourself up the entire rest of the day. And like you said, like so many people, it doesn't matter what you're doing. It's some people have a longer process than others. And and there's times where we're not realistic with ourselves about what can actually be achieved in a certain amount of time. And, you know, even putting a certain amount of time on different things isn't great as well, because you you don't want to make yourself like have to rush to anything or or anything like that. Um, And I, I feel like that, that goes very well with, um, you know, just finding out like who you are and, and what your purpose is and, and how are you trying to um, go towards this life? Because um, I, I think it connects perfectly with, with the agency that you started, 93 Agency, with just trying to help people grow their brands that is authentic to them. And that's something that I really tried to learn um, throughout this process of me graduating college and, and trying to find a full-time job is, is really who am I trying to represent and, and who do I want to be? And it's interesting because over these last few months, I've, I've gone, I've thought about really indefinitely different situations in my life and how that could potentially connect to what I'm trying to do today. And I, I was wondering just, just from sort of your experiences, you know, a lot of people have a hard time being able to understand who they are, what like, and because there's so many times where there's this whole stigma of you got to be normal, but really what is normal? And <laughs> It, it's, it's tough for people to really fully not compare themselves to other people and try to be like the other people that are around them and actually just be themselves. Um, and so sort of how have you been able to find that? And what advice would you have for other people who are struggling being able to find um, just that inner understanding of who they are? Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, no, normal is overrated. And like, you said, what even is normal, right? Like even money is like a, it's a construct. Like we believe we put this power into a piece of paper. And so we've all collectively decided that that means something. So I think when we think normal, like that will look different to everybody. And it'll be something that like everyone has this belief system about, which is ever changing. And so um, I think when it comes to like self-awareness, I mean, there's no easy answer. It's not like, oh, here is how you become self-aware. So it's a constant pro- process, but there are some like hacks, I, I would say, which is like, ask yourself a lot of questions and always give time for reflection. Mm-hmm. So whether that's like journaling or just literally spending some time in your day thinking, I know like Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, when you compare them to other business people, Other business people are go, 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 go. They spend most of their day reading, sitting, and thinking. So then they can make better decisions. They understand the world better. They understand themselves better. They understand how they make decisions and if it's emotionally driven or logical. Um, So I think it's really important to set some time aside for yourself because that's when you will ask yourself questions. That's when you will reflect on, you know, the decisions you made, the things that you've done. So I think self-awareness really can't be built without that time to process things because if we're just out there doing 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 you know whatever it is uh or even learning 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 but never actually like applying and then like processing it and thinking about it then that's not going to help us but at the same time we can have too much of that right like if we just sit in a room all day for our whole lives and just sitting and thinking that's not also going to lead to the best self-awareness because self-awareness also requires third-party feedback so I think a great way is like that I found at least is putting myself out there more. Like the, the more that I create content and put it out there, it actually, it's not necessarily feedback from other people, but it's like, it lets myself even see myself from a different perspective. And through that process of putting myself out there, overcoming my fears, uh, getting feedback, whatever it is, I learn a lot about myself in that process. So I think part of it is like, spend time actually putting yourself out there doing, getting feedback, 
um, and even asking other people for feedback around you too, that you feel safe, not people on the internet, but, um, like people around you that know you, but, and then also spending the time, you know, reflecting, asking yourself questions and processing things. Well, that, that's one of the biggest things I was going to say with the, th- with the uh, third party opinion is, is being able to have the open mindedness to be welcome to that other person's opinion as, as well as, because, uh, you know, there's a lot of times where when we're passionate about something or we have this idea in our mind and somebody might try and give us their opinion and, and try and go at it in a helping way. Um, there's times where we get very deflective and we're like, no, that, that doesn't make any sense. No, that doesn't go with anything that I'm trying to do. And then afterwards you reflect on, you're like, wait, that actually like is really helpful. Like that, that made me think about it in a different light. But like you said, don't do it from the people on the internet, unless, unless you're very close with that person. Like I, I always, I always ask, um, you know, for other people's opinions of people that are close to me and that obviously know who I am, know what I'm trying to represent. And that's always the best, best feedback as well. Um, but as, as well as just making sure that uh, that is in some way, shape or form um, alluding to exactly what you're trying to do. Uh, but, but with being able to help people, especially on social media, being able to represent themselves, um, how through your experiences with, with uh, starting this agency and, and really with yourself as well, making sure the focus is more on making stuff that you want to do and not alluding it so much to the views, the likes and those external results. Um, and that being, cause like obviously with marketing as well, like it's tough because with marketing, you know, the analytics is the huge, is the biggest thing. Well, like this got more views than the other one. Like that's why you're more successful. But at times the anxiety is like, well, why didn't that get as many views? And, you know, you start beating yourself up. And so, um, for other people who, who this might, um, happen to what, what has been your experience to overcome, um, not focusing so much on those external results? Yeah. Well, like you said, with marketing, like analytics and data, it matters. It does matter. And that's like some objective feedback that you can take from your content. So I like to say, like, keep the foundation the same. You need to build that foundation and I'll get into like what that foundation is, but then let the tech exchange and that's where you can get into data and different things and so when it comes to like foundation that's like who you are self-awareness what kind of content you want to put out like what your message is then that can change there might be a new platform that's going to be 3d vr or something and you were like always a video creator well are you like are you attached to the fact that you only created TikTok videos in vertical style and now it's in 3d or whatever or are you create connected just to the message the mission that you have right and so build that foundation where you got to be self-aware to build it and you got to know who you are and be like, okay, my foundation is like, I, whatever it is, it could be like positivity, um, making, you know, entertaining videos that are fun with my friends or like, it could be as deep or as not deep as, as you want it to be, but spend time thinking about that and thinking about the mindset of like, you know, connecting with that message rather than focusing on, oh, did this get a ton of likes? Oh, why did this, whatever, so forth. Don't let that shake the foundation, but then spend some time on the analytics and things to see like, okay, what's the best way for me to portray that? Because obviously social media is built for certain ways, right? Like it's not like on Instagram, you post only audio and all of a sudden you're like, oh, it's going to take off. It's like, well, no, you have to adapt to the different platform. Mm -hmm. Uh, Instagram is more visual. So just posting like a blank white photo with just sound in the background is not going to get anyone's attention. So then you're not going to get the eyes that you want on the message that you're trying to trying to give. So as long as you can keep that foundation stable, which is like self-awareness mindset, and then understanding, you know, your message and everything, then you can adapt to the feedback that you get without letting it change that foundation, right? Like you, for example, you go out and post like, um, for example, like uh, a photo with like no clothes on, like super flexing or whatever. Like for some people that fits their brand for sure. And like, you know, even at times, maybe it fits my brand, uh, depending in the context. But if all of a sudden you're like, oh, that gets all the likes. So now every single photo is like you in a bikini on a beach and like posing and uh, doing all these different things. 
are you actually still getting the message that you want to cross? Probably not. You might be reaching a different audience than you probably wanted uh, and you're not getting that message across. So you let it shape the foundation. However, if you keep the foundation the same and then just notice, okay, like videos where uh, I talk about this gets a little bit more attention or when I use these type of words at the start of my video, it gets a little bit more attention or this, those can just be tools that you use to amplify your message, but you don't actually let it impact that core belief system and the core message that you have. Yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more. It's all about like the values that you have set up for yourself and that connect with the foundation, especially because I think a lot of people have a hard time not looking at the likes and the views as valuing themselves. I, I feel like that's that's a big struggle for a lot of people in social media is um, you know how how much. How many, how many likes or views is the value that I'm going to give to that person? That's like the social value that you have. But in all reality, like we've talked about throughout this whole conversation, we're all humans. We're all people. We're all right inside. We're all trying to figure out exactly the best way to live this life to the fullest. Um, and I, I, lastly, one of the things I wanted to ask you as well is, um, so what, what have been some of your best relief methods um, that you found overcoming mental health anxiety? Because at least for me, it's been uh, meditation, um, writing down my goals and manifesting as well. Um, but one of the big things, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of this app, it's called Breathwork. Um, and it's something that has quite honestly changed how I go through different situations. I even took the app out before this, uh, before this interview, did a minute Breathwork just so I would be able to be in a good mind state and be focused and not really worry about any anxiousness that could come in. But I'm curious what methods have really helped you. Yeah. Is, is that breath work app? Is it the one, like, I think I've seen videos of it like advertised and it kind of like moves and it, like it has visuals attached to show mm -hmm. you like kind of when to breathe in and out yeah. and kind of stuff like that. Yeah. It's really cool. Okay. Super cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Breathwork is, is big. Um, breathwork has been a big thing, um, that I do. Uh, I did like Wim Hof breathing this morning. Um, but often I do, uh, like after, uh, training, I've been trying to do like 10 minutes of like, I would call it a mix between like meditation and breathwork. So I just do like deep nasal breathing. And basically that whole goal is training as a stressor. So one, it helps my recovery because I'm able to go from like that sympathetic nervous system state of training into, okay, rest and relax, especially when I have two sessions in a day. So like yesterday I did like some strength work outside. And then I had like a break in the afternoon where I did a lot of work on my laptop. And then I had uh, like a kind of like a conditioning session where I like hit the bike in the afternoon. And so I want to recover in that period. I don't want to be still in that stress state all day, um, especially where I know work can get me into that stress state. And that's what I got to do in between training. So I did that 10 minute breath work after that first session. So that instead of like just crashing my nervous system, I slowly bring it down and I've learned to control it. So it helps my recovery, but it also helps with like my mental health because then in other stressful states, my body is used to being like in the middle of stress, I can just relax. And that actually manifested in a competition I did in 2019, where I fell asleep in between events, like on the floor, like I was just upstairs in like the athlete's room and like was able to fully like relax and fall asleep where usually in a competition, I'm like so shaky that the weekend after the competition, because I was so on the whole weekend, I crashed, like I crashed for like a week, two weeks. I can't do anything just not conducive to getting back to training, getting back to life. I'm in like a negative headspace because I'm starting to get moody. My energy's low. So like learning that has really helped, but there's other ways to do it where, you know, through cold exposure, that's a big one for me. Uh, if I had a sauna, I would love a sauna because I love any kind of manipulator of the temperature. So cold or heat exposure, I think are, you know, really great ways for us to kind of like trigger that stress response and then learn to control it through breathing and through just like mental practices. And then like you touched on meditation has been a huge one for me. Um, so definitely, you know, meditation and then, uh, just spending time, like giving myself some time every single day to relax or do something for fun. Cause what really leads to burnout and my mental health kind of issues coming back in uh, a harsher way, like every day I have to deal with things like anxiety and managing that. But when they come back and manifest into worse situations or more severe situations, I would say is when there's been periods of time where I'm just overworking and I'm never like, I'm skipping all the meditation. My sleep is inconsistent. 
Uh, I'm not eating well, everything kind of like snowballs. And then I'm just like overscheduling myself. So I really make sure, okay, every day I need some time to myself. If in the morning something did happen, I had to skip my meditation, uh, skip my morning walk. Let me make sure that I do it after my training where I get that walk in at night, or I turn my computer off a half an hour earlier and just take that cutoff time so that I have at least, you know, half an hour to stretch at night or whatever it is. So for me, it's like having those little routines is important, but even if I fall off them, making sure that I still have some time to myself, uh, whether it's just time to reflect or time to do the things like meditation, breath work that I find really help. Oh, that's huge. The the time by yourself is is huge in, in especially mental health relief, because, you know, a lot of times, especially when, when you said that you stack up your schedule, think in your mind, oh, I don't have time for that. I don't have time to meditate. I don't have time to write down, write down uh, or manifest. I don't have time to write down my goals. And in all reality, when you when you actually put a timer on it, you're like, Oh, this actually takes like maybe 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes. So I just got to block that out. Um, so something that has really helped me with not getting burnt out. And um, I, I actually got the, I was referred by somebody else to start doing this. And it's really changed how I've done my work. It's uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's the uh, Pomodoro timer. And you essentially just go 25 minutes and then it comes off with a timer and then it's five minutes worth of break. But it's really so you don't get that uh burnout feeling of or feeling like you're overworking because i i I know especially as as content creators you know you get into editing or you get into doing something and you just want to get it done and you get anxious if you didn't finish in that in that 25 minutes or whatever period and you just go 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 until you actually are done and then by the time you're done you're like oh i need a break like i need a nap or something all right i need something but um but yeah that's definitely huge that just the time by yourself is is a, a ginormous thing Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think also one big thing that I've been trying to do too, is just like being more cognizant of my energy. Like you only have so much energy. It's not like an infinite resource. Mm -hmm. I wish it was because I'm going to all be superhuman. Um, And I I really wish it was because in 2016, I ended up, I got mono right before a CrossFit competition. And I spent like six months with like mono. I had a heart issue. So I wasn't allowed getting my heart rate up. I got like all these health problems. And since then my energy has like never quite been the same. So I just have to manage it more. Like I have to know, okay, this is the times that I'm on. And these are like when, how I, you know, recover and and replenish. And so I start to get to know how my energy flows and based on what I do the day before or the hour before how that flows and try to schedule my life around that. Now I know like people who have a nine to five and they're just like told what to do all day, that can be much harder, but because I am a little bit more in control of my schedule, I can be like, okay, in the morning, I'm just like a little bit more driven to do some of those linear tasks. Mm -hmm. And then in the afternoon, something like editing might take me like three times as long as it would have in the morning if I had done it. So just like being cognizant of some of those changes in your energy flow and shifting things around. So that like you said, you don't get upset with yourself because you're like, I didn't finish editing in this time. It's just like you schedule things a little bit better to, you know, create some of those smaller wins rather than setting yourself up kind of for failure in, in advance. Right. Exactly. Completely agree. Natalie, this this has honestly been a pleasure. I've learned so much, not only of things that can apply with my life, but I'm really excited for my audience to to hear this podcast and learn about your story and learn about like the simplistic um, ideas of, of how you go through this life. And I, I, lo- I love talking about, you know, different ways that we can think and we can make up things in our mind. Um, and it's been really cool to hear that you have some similar experiences as well. Um, but I know that you host a podcast called All In. I know also, like I mentioned, you're the founder of 93 Agency, but where can people find all your stuff so then they can hear more about all the amazing things that you're doing? Yeah. I will appreciate you having me on and letting me share my story. It's been awesome. Um, but yeah, you can probably just go to my Instagram, which is at Natalie Allport. And uh, that's, I mean, that's my uh, handle across all social media platforms platforms and from there there's always links to like business to the podcast and everything but that's probably the easiest way to figure everything out that i'm up to perfect perfect well thank you so much for coming on and everybody i hope you all enjoyed uh this number 59 of iggy sports talk and i'll see you guys next week perfect that, that- thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.